It's podcast time. It's Pete Price. I hope you're all well. And don't forget to tell all your friends to subscribe to my podcast. We've got a great back catalogue now. And it costs nothing at all. It's simple as that. And for those people who love me on radio, um, well, I'm just with you all the time, which is what it's about. And what an intro talking about radio. I'm interviewing now for this week's podcast a man called Darren Proctor. I respected this man for so long. He's a great broadcaster. He's a survivor. He's still there. He has his own radio station now. And we first met and why I liked him straight away. Not only did I find him incredibly attractive and talented, and he's laughing, he was working the clubs and there wasn't anybody in radio doing what he was doing. And that's what I love. How was that for an intro? That's a great intro. That's a very good intro. I've got a lot to live up to there. Uh, thanks so much. Do you know what? I've never done a podcast before. This is my first one. Well, that's fantastic. Now, let's start at the beginning. Who is Darren Proctor? And is that your real name? Because, of course, you know, a lot of famous people don't have a Yeah, name. well, if I was going to change my name, it would probably be something a bit more rock and roll than Darren Proctor. So, yes, it is my real name. Uh, I'm from Stoke, from a little village. Village called Audley, which is near Olsager, which is uh, Junction 19 off the M6. Uh, born and bred there. Uh, and uh, I uh, went to school, then did an apprenticeship as an electrician with British Coal. So I worked down the pit. British Coal? Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You worked down the pit? I worked pit. down the pit. I we'll did it for three years. We'll yeah. come back to that. Yeah. So I worked down the pit. I'd done a paper round. I'd done milk. I'd done all that kind of stuff. Mum and dad got me out working when I was young. And then randomly got into DJing in my bedroom, playing records. My dad built me a desk and got some turntables. And uh, one year for Christmas, asked my parents if I could have money for Christmas and bought myself, uh, and for any uh, mobile DJs listening, you'll know this, a Fal Ranger disco deck console, which back in the day, you'll know this, Peter, from your days of doing DJing and stuff, which was the twin turntables and a mixer all in one big case. But it was, I mean, it was the size of a semi-detached house. I mean, it was a massive thing. So I bought that for Christmas and started practicing in my bedroom. And it kind of started from there. Right. Well, first of all, let's go back to uh, me with a mobile discos. I've never had a mobile disco or a, a turntable in my life. I've never even opened a mic. Never owned a mic. <laughs> Have you not? I, I, find, I can't believe I it. I can't be bothered. I walk in, do it, and walk out. So, <laughs> well, lucky I'll one. remind you. Well, I won't remind you because you didn't know. This, by the way, is a very heterosexual man. But my chat-up line, and he didn't realise because I thought, I'm going to get to know this guy, and we have become dear friends, uh, was... Oh, cakes. Oh, cakes. Yes, it was. So I could come down to Stoke and get some oak cakes. And yeah. he went, yeah, come down sometime. That was it. I was in, met his family. Explain what oak cakes are because they are around Stoke. They are native to Stoke. Yeah, they are. I mean, the, I think the best way to describe them is like a, a very big pikelet. So what people do is basically they toast them, they uh, they uh, put bacon inside, the bacon and eggs or whatever. You can put put whatever you want. But it's um, breakfast. But it's it's a breakfast, really. But you can, I mean, you can have them any time of the day. They're a massive thing. My dad makes his own now, uh, makes his own oat cakes. I've not had one for ages, but um, if you've not tried one, do. Stick them under the grill, toast them a little big. They're like a really big, flat pie club. What was great about them, uh, because it was Stoke Market was the first place they were sort of made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Sainsbury's and Tesco's, they sell them now. Yeah, they do, yeah. Which absolutely. is so different. Yeah. I had a, some friends who sadly aren't with us now called June and Austin Wilson sadly passed away, lived in Spain, tax exiles, loved oat cakes, absolutely loved it. I then <laughs> took 
them over on the plane, which you can't do now. And one day I went and ordered them and I ordered 14 packs. And I got there and it was 14 boxes. Now, you're a very tall young uh-huh. man. Uh-huh. 14 boxes were taller than you. Yeah, I that's went, a lot. No, I'm going on a plane. <laughs> a 14 packs I asked for. <laughs> well, I've got to go back to down the pits. Yeah, yeah, I did. Now, so how old would you have been? Well, it's when I left school at 16. So what happened was, basically, dad, my dad had said to me, my dad's a tradesman, you know, um, so... Uh, he, a very good tradesman. He is a very good tradesman, yeah. And he, he, he's, if I had 10 of my dad, I'd be a, a, a very rich man. But uh, he's... He's, he can kind of turn his hand to anything, but uh, he worked for British Rail at the time. He was an engineer with British Rail. Uh, he said to me, you need to get a trade behind you. So, you know, some kind of engineering or electrical or whatever it might be. Anyway, at the time, British Coal were, for the first time in a long time, taking on apprentices. They were doing this new apprenticeship scheme. So I applied for it, went for it, did the test, the aptitude test, and got in. I didn't realise that it would involve working underground so there was about about 25 of us that got through and we went for this meeting. We met at a college somewhere and the guys had said, right, well, this is how it's going to work. This is how the apprenticeship's going to work. We're going to train you to become electricians. You're going to work underground. You're going to work in a coal mine. Anyway, the next day we went back to the college. The numbers had halved. That many people really? called out, yeah, they dropped out and they just said, I'm not going down. You're not getting me three miles underground. Not a chance. Hang on. Three miles. Three miles. Three miles underground, yeah. There were a number of coal mines at the time, uh, and we were all split up into different pits. Uh, my local one was was Silverdale, which was a drift mine, which basically meant you didn't go down a shaft like as you would in a lift. Uh, you went on a train uh, on, a, on a steep incline. Uh, and it started in Silverdale, and I, I, I don't know whether you, you can, you can kind of get this picture in your head, but we'd get on the train at the top of the pit, and we'd go down and we'd end up three miles underground, which would be underneath Keel Services. That's a long That's way. A, it's a long way. It's a long way. So it was a 25-minute journey on a really, really steep incline that we went down. And then we'd walk into the pit. Underground is like a village. It's archways. It's very dark. Um, and there are roadways. And you, and you basically, you walk into the coalface, which could be, you know, an hour's walk away. Um, because that's where they've, you know, they just basically keep keep digging. But what they have to do behind is obviously maintain it, which is where all these jobs come from. You've got to get electricity down there. You've got to get power down there. You've got machinery down there. You've got obviously the coal coming out from the coal face, which is the the important bit. But it's also maintaining those other bits and making sure it's all safe and working properly. All the conveyor belts that gets the coal out and up to the surface. Were you not frightened? I was really frightened. I was really frightened. All um, the time or just at the beginning? Uh, um, um, most of the time. It was, it, I have to be honest, it wasn't something that I took to, but I stuck at it uh, and I did it. Um, there was an unfortunate accident where my instructor one day uh, lost his thumb uh, and I was there with him when, it, when the accident happened. You know, it's one of those occupations where it is really, really hazardous and there were lots of accidents and it kept me awake at night and it scared me. Did it not scare your mum as well? Uh, yeah, I guess it did. Um, but I think, you know, parents just try and be as positive as they can on these things, don't they? They try and encourage you. So, you know, Dad especially was saying, it'll be all right, you'll be okay, just keep going, keep going. And I, and I, I almost dropped out on a number of occasions. Um, but I did my three years, I stuck it out. But when my, <laughs> when my three years was up... There was another opportunity for me, which I went for, which was to get into DJing. Now, tell me, staying with coal mines, because this is fascinating, it's all closed now, isn't it? Yeah. So, 
Does that mean underground where you live and other parts of the country and the world, there are vast holes yeah. underground? Yeah, there are, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Is that not worrying at all? Um, I, don't, I don't think so, no. I think I, what they did is when, when the coal mines... Uh, closed down is basically they they fill it they they it's in so they fill it with concrete or whatever it whatever it is they just fill in all these archways so if you can imagine these archways are kind of probably about uh, six to eight foot high but you know sometimes there will be some some give so they collapse you know so it gets smaller and smaller and smaller particularly as you get closer into the coal face where it gets warmer and warmer and warmer and sometimes you know you're actually you're crawling through really small spaces to get to the area where you need to be working. It's pretty scary, pretty mm. scary. And there are no toilets down there or anything like that. So, you know, hygiene was, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I, I did it. It was a great experience. Do you know what? I'm so glad I did it because, you know, I've done a proper job. I've yeah. done it. Interesting. So there I am in the catering industry, smelling the chips, and I discovered I could be a DJ. There are you, the coal mine. <laughs> Discovered you could be a DJ and give Same. that. But once again, so like grateful. you, I did a job. Yeah. I worked and my mum always said you can go back to it. Yeah. I never went back to it. And you certainly never went back no, to no, it. No, no, I didn't. I didn't, thankfully. There's lots to talk about because you were a working DJ in the clubs. What was the first radio show and how difficult was it to get the job? Because you've got a very distinctive voice. Well, basically what happened was there was uh, in, my, in my local nightclub, the Ritzy, so they were all over all over the country, weren't they? Uh, so my local Ritzy were holding a DJ of the Year competition. I was doing this, as I mentioned before, you know, practising in my bedroom, doing stuff like all the mixing and scratching and stuff. My pals had said to me, he said, oh, DP, you've got to go for this. You've got to have a go at this competition. So it was on a, it was on a Sunday evening. It was the under-18s night. So, um, so I thought, oh, I'll have a go at it. There was about 50 of us that entered. Anyway, got down to the final four, and we and we had the final. The resident DJ in the club at the Ritzy that night was from our local radio station, which was Signal Radio. Uh, a guy called Jerry D, who's no longer with us, unfortunately, sadly, but uh, with, with with Jerry D. And the prize was you won a ghetto blaster, a trophy, and a tour around your local radio station, around Signal Radio. And then you got a slot every week on a Sunday for half an hour to DJ. So basically, they'd be coaching you. Anyway, got to the final, and uh, there was there was four of us. Anyway, the first guy went on, and he was he was amazing, you know, and he'd done a bit of mobile stuff, but he did a competition during his fifteen minute audition. I did a competition. He was giving records away, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I wasn't doing anything like that. I thought there's not a chance. Anyway, went on. I did my bit. I did what I did, and uh, a bit of mixing and scratching. I did a bit of speaking, and and that was that. Long story short, I won it. Um, so. That so part of my prize obviously was to to go and uh, have a tour around my local radio station, uh, Signal Radio. So I walked in there and it was the it was the strangest thing because it had never really crossed my mind. I'd always listened to the radio, always, but it had never really crossed my mind about getting into radio. And I walked into Signal Radio through the the glass doors at the front. I saw these studios and I just thought, this is amazing. This is incredible. Watching what they were doing and how it all worked. And, you know, when they were pulling, you know, all the carts out for, to play the adverts and they got the two record players and they were just transferring over CD. They got the CD players and the microphone and the quality and, and how it all worked. And then the producers and all this stuff. It was mind-blowing. So I went and helped Jerry, who did the late show on Signal in the evening. So I, he was on 10 till 2. I'd go and answer his phones, make his coffee, do all that stuff till 2 in the morning and then get up again three hours later to go and work down the pit. 
And that's how it all started. Wow, so you're still working down the pit? Yeah, still, yeah. Oh, my word. <laughs> how many years have you been in radio now? Uh, we're nearly 30 years now, yeah. Almost 30 years from, from when I started. So Jerry was great. He helped me put a demo tape together. We put a three-minute demo together, uh, gave it to the bosses at Signal Radio, and they gave me a show, an hour a day, uh, called The Hit Machine, six till seven in the evening. So that, again, while I was working down the pit. Now, so, before we break uh, down some of the places you've worked, we'll talk about this now, because we then won't say which radio stations or which companies. People don't realise how hard it is when you've got new bosses that want to stamp their, their print on something and they don't give a damn about you or me because, as you know, I've been in the radio longer than you. It's a hard industry, isn't it? And you have to bite your lip an awful lot. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's about doing what you're asked to do and, and doing it to the best of your ability. And I think what it does is it, it, it gives you um, the experience in, 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 and the diversity you know, um, there are some people in radio who are what they are. You know, for instance, you take Chris Evans. He is what he is. He will never change his style or the way he is. He's one of the biggest names in the radio, and that's that's what he is. You you buy that product. Um, I think I've managed to keep my career for, for such a long time is because, you know, I'm not a big celebrity superstar. I'm not a big name. What I am is someone who's reliable and will do as they're told. And I've never thought that I'm bigger than the station. You know, no matter whether I agree with the boss or not, I've always done what they've asked of me. I love the fact you mentioned Chris Evans walking through London in Thrift Street. Never forget it. And he went, Pete Price, Radio City 194. <laughs> because, really? of course, he is an absolute radio freak. Yeah, massive radio freak. Yeah, yeah massive radio freak. I'm from, from, from Warrington. I've read his books. And, you know, it's an incredible story. An incredible story. Radio's changed ginormously. We'll talk about your radio uh, station that you bought and uh, got your partner with and what's going on there shortly. But radio has changed. Do you think it's changed for the better, even though you own a radio station? Ah, that's a really good question. I think uh, radio has changed massively. Uh, and, and the way that the, the, the bigger companies have gone, they've gone to, to create national platforms. You know, there are lots of people there who, who've been in radio for a long, long time who, who know what they're doing. Um, all I saw was, as being part of that, that big organisation, was this, uh, this ever-increasing gap in the market for local radio from when, when you and I started years ago when, you know, you would broadcast live from a, from a local shop or you'd be seen in town or you'd do a local festival or, or carnival or gig or whatever it might be and all of that stuff, which I absolutely loved. I adored that because... Being out and about was a big part of everything that I do, and you're the same, you know. And great for the radio station, for profile, for meeting people and chatting to people and really getting in front of these people, you know, and um, and being able to get real good, honest feedback and being out and seen out and about. So that's what I noticed was that that massive gap for for, for local radio. So, um, you know, I've done both. I've, I've worked on, on, a, on a big network radio station all across the country. Uh, and I've worked on a on a small local radio station. For me personally, the best times, local radio. Interesting you say that. Uh, I started on Radio Merseyside. I was the first ever freelancer. I am cross, like so many. I know it's about money, but I am cross that local radio, especially with the BBC, are losing an identity and an age of people. There is a group that's 
have relied on it and they're decimating it. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you a question. And I know this is about, but I want to ask you a question because it's interesting and I'm not sure how much you've spoken about your radio career. But did you start in radio with a talk show? Or did you go on, when you started at Radio Merseyside, were you playing music or was it a talk show right from the off? It was a music show. Was it, yeah? And of course, working for you, because I work for you, which we'll talk about, it was a music show. It was a review show called Never Mind the Price, uh, and it was half an hour, and we reviewed records, which didn't cost any money. Oh, okay. And then it did so well, they doubled it and called it twice the price. And we still reviewed records, and I earned five guineas a week for those people out there that's five pound five shillings and when they double the show they did not pay me any more money <laughs> they didn't double your money but it was so i've got one i've got a lot of the shows on tape and i can't listen to them but i'll just tell you this one to show you what it was like i cringe telling you this and this is about darren proctor not about Pete price but i cringe telling you this i actually did a show the day they landed on the moon so I did a review show the day they landed on the moon. And I had this idea, and the producer, Jim Black, who sadly is no longer with us, and he was real BBC. And when he died, I was amazed at the amount of famous BBC people came to his funeral. That's another story. Anyway, Jim, I had this idea, and he said, yeah, we'll do that, we'll do that. And it was <laughs> uh, the Planet Suite. Da-da-da-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Da 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 dun dun and welcome to the show. We're here on Mars, as you know, they're landing on the moon, but we've made it to Mars. Da 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 dun 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 dun. I'm going over this mountain. Da 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 dun dun. And there, in front of me, oh my word! But first, here's Frankie Vaughan's new record. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst piece of radio you've had. It. It's in that cupboard there. Is it brilliant? <laughs> oh, we, we need so, to find that. So, what's that the best there. show you've ever? done what was the, the t- happiest time of radio i know you've always loved it because you're a people person and you've had a great following and i'll say this you can't say this many people have followed you wherever you've gone because you're popular what was the best time uh, I, I mean my days at radio city in liverpool were incredible it was the first big radio station that i worked for which is where we met obviously mm-hmm. Uh, the old studios in, in Stanley Street, where there was just the most incredible camaraderie between everybody. We were, we were literally like a family, weren't we? Everybody and we were loved and we were all yeah. together. Yeah. And we'd, we'd hang out after work and we'd, you know, we'd just be together. It was, you know, Liverpool is a really big city that's actually really quite small. It's, it's just... It's, it's a village. Yeah, it is. It, it absolutely is. And I fell in love with the city and the radio station that, that I worked for. And, you know, the response that we would get, I remember doing a, a, a TV show once I did, uh, do you remember She's Gotta Have It? They, yeah, yeah, did a, yeah, yeah. They did a special for men, He's Gotta Have It. And we were filming Walking Down uh, through, through Liverpool. And I got the, there was three budgets. There was, a, there was a high budget, there was a middle high street budget, and there was a low budget. And I got the low budget. So we were walking up the high street, going to a charity shop, CNA in Liverpool, walked in a, and there were people coming down the street going, oh, there's Darren Proctor from Radio City and, you know, t- signing autographs. I mean, you know, ridiculous. I mean, it's just not like that anymore. It's just not yeah. like that. A massive highlight for me, that. Uh, career-wise, another big highlight was doing the Pepsi chart show. So when I went over to Manchester to Key 103... 
I got asked to... That was to, networked, uh, wasn't it? That was networked. Yeah. It was on 118 radio stations across the country, broadcast from Capital Radio in London. And they'd asked me to do the holiday cover for, for Dr. Fox, for Neil Fox, who was doing the Pepsi chart show at the time. Um, you know, that was a massive highlight for me to, to, to walk into a big radio station in the capital uh, and be able to broadcast on 118 radio stations. It was incredible, you know, and uh, uh, did the Smash Hits tour and toured with, you know, all of the, all of the big bands. Uh, I was in Smash Hits magazine with Tess Daly. Um, you know, it's great, a, a, a great time, really, really good time. If you just join me, I'm talking to Darren Proctor and we're going to talk about Happy Radio in just a moment. An awfully important question that I've got to ask is, and I find it very frustrating when I'm asked the question, how do we give advice these days? Because the saturation of disc jockeys and I don't know what to say anymore. Yeah, it it, it is. It, it, it's it's a question I get asked a lot. People, you know, it, it, usually parents who will contact me and say, my son or daughter wants to get into radio. Is there anything you can do to help? And I always, always try and help because, you know, I had a leg up. I had some help. Uh, but it's getting harder to help. It's not getting harder to help, but it is getting harder to get people into, into work. Yeah. Um, that's the difficult thing. The good news is there are slowly but surely becoming more and more smaller radio stations becoming available now with DAB. It gives you so much more variety. Uh, the way radio's done has changed an awful lot. Um, it is no longer, you know, walking into a studio or or to a, bu a building, doing two hours prep, then going on air for three hours live and doing your show and then staying after and then doing a few more bits and then, you know, having a couple of meetings or whatever. It doesn't really work like that anymore, particularly after COVID. Um, but there are some opportunities with the smaller stations. Um, so hopefully that will open doors for people who, who want to get into But there's also not big money in it anymore. No, it? there's not. Absolutely not. No, there's not. Unless you go and work for one of the big... No. You know, blue chip companies, but then you, you know, even they're you, cutting back. Well, they're, they're, they're cutting back, but you know, they're all they're all people who've been on the telly. Mm. Um, why? Mm. You know, it it does kind of annoy me. Yeah. I, I'll I'll be honest with you. It does annoy me that everyone thinks they can be a DJ, uh, whether it be you know a club DJ or yeah. working in radio. They just kind of think, yeah. well, I can just I can do that. But no, you can't. You can't because. You go and do a wedding or a bar mitzvah and have 250 people in front of you who are aged between 8 and 80 and you entertain them for five hours. Yeah. That's a DJ. Let's stay on that because you also host a lot of huge do's. DJ, host. I was a host. I was a compere all my life and people say, I can do that. They cannot. You can make or destroy a night. Yeah, absolutely, very easily. I think one of the most important things is that you and I will both know is when you're there to host a charity dinner or to do a charity fundraiser or whatever it might be, you know, you're not the star. Uh, what you're there for is to control the night. You're the glue. So you're the glue. So you're the person. What people don't see is you go up on the stage and, and, and what they don't see is the two hours of preparation you've put in through the afternoon to go through the running order and who's on and when and when they're doing all this stuff. They also don't see you when you come off stage running back to the guys who's doing the sound desk and going, right, next it's going to be such and such coming on stage. Have you got the mics ready? Are they all set? Where are they? Have they come out of the dressing room? Are they ready to go? People don't see any of that. Yeah. You know, it's hard work. Yeah. And nobody understands either when they go home. What a phenomenal night how important you were 
yeah, yeah, how yeah. important I was. Yeah, yeah. They don't see it. And the reason they don't see it is because we do the job properly. Yeah, absolutely that. Absolutely. Simple as that. Yeah. We're not, we're, you know, we're not there to be the star. We're there to, you know, form a relationship with the, with the audience. Yeah. And that's how you get the most out of it. And them. you and I both uh, also do the auctions. Yeah, yeah. And we can make or break charities. Absolutely that. You know, we both know what we're doing. We've both got our own different styles. We've actually worked together a couple of times doing that. Uh, but they don't understand that. It's a thankless task yeah. doing an auction. It uh, is indeed. At a, at a charity dinner because everybody's there to, you know, to have a good time and they've spent money to get their ticket and they just want to be entertained yeah. all night, you know, but the main part of the night is to raise yeah. as much money as you can and that's the section yeah. where you've just got to go, just give us 20 minutes and you can either be rude and go, shut up yeah. and you listen to me and uh, and you've lost them at that point you you've got to win them over and make them part of it whether absolutely. they're bidding or not so. absolutely i replaced somebody who used to shout shut the up <laughs> i won't tell you who that is but I'm, a lot of people listening will know i'm talking to darren proctor school <laughs> down the pit in the clubs the pepsi charge show when did you discover and think I need to own my own radio station. So the blue chip company, the big company that I worked for, were changing their strategy and uh, they were bringing uh, big names in who've been in radio for a long time and worked on national radio stations. And I could kind of see where they were going. That whole, we want celebrity names on our radio station. So I could see where that was going, and I'm just some you know guy from the you know from the northwest, some lad from Stoke who's worked for the company for a long time. So I could see where they were going with that, um, and so many people just saying to me, you know, what happened to our local radio station uh, and the opportunities that were available to to launch a really good quality local radio station with a load of people that I've formed relationships with over the years who are no longer doing radio and have kind of lost faith in it because of the way it's changed. It's unrecognisable now from how it used to be all those years ago. And these really talented broadcasters who are, who are not doing anything, you know, and have just lost all faith in it. One in particular you've got is Steve Penn. Yeah, Steve Penn, yeah. I mean, it was a giant Yeah, 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 big, big broadcaster, yeah. Giant in radio, big. but we'll, we'll leave that. So where did Happy Radio come from? So I was doing some work during COVID uh, with my business partner, Max, and uh, he specialises in doing festivals uh, locally. We'd done an online festival during COVID, which did incredibly well. Um, and we thought there would be an opportunity to form a really good quality local radio station. I didn't want to do this on my own. I wasn't brave enough. Uh, there was no way I was ever going to do it on my own. It's also good to have a partner. Yeah, and, and Max had kind of said, you know, I, th off each other. I think I think yeah. together we could do this, yeah. you know, form a radio station that's really high quality, playing brilliant music with presenters you know and love from across the years, heritage presenters who know what they're doing. We can form this radio station. I think we can have a crack at it. We're going to get it out and about. We're going to do the outside broadcasts. We're going to do the events. You know, you're going to see us out and about. And I, and I just thought, you know what? I'd celebrated my 50th birthday uh, I thought, if I don't do this now, yeah. I never will. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the leap. I'd worked for the other company for 25 years. And I thought, here's your opportunity. Let's have a go at it. Where did the name come from? So it was a working title. Um, and uh, I'll give Max his credit. Uh, he just said, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to create a radio station that, that makes you feel great. We're going to play happy music, happy radio. 
And I'm going, no, 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 we can't call it that. No, it's really cheesy. It's not good and blah. And you know, you say something enough and it just kind of, it just it just becomes the norm, doesn't it's it? Also We're easy. Going, well, it's yeah, easy. it is. It is what it says. Yeah. We are it's happy. Happy radio. That's it. Everyone we're, you've got working for you is happy. We're we're all yeah. just having a great time. You've got a load of presenters having a brilliant yeah. time, genuinely loving life and getting fire back in the belly and taking radio back to how it was all of those years. Yeah. Not going back. Not we're not old fashioned in any way, shape, or form. We are current and up to date and and with it. Just a radio station that puts you in a good mood when you listen to it. I've got a show on Saturday, 6 o'clock to late, called Guilty Pleasures, and you've made me sound... I can't... But I listen to myself thinking, oh, my, is that really me? <laughs> so it is relevant completely and utterly to today. Now, let's stop you there. Darren Proctor, simply how do people find Happy Radio and what is it? Why is it different to... Like listening to Radio City. Right, okay. So, first and foremost, we're not on an FM frequency. Uh, FM... So, are you not on a radio? We're, or uh, you are on radio? We are on radio. We're on DAB radio. DAB okay. radio. Yeah, DAB radio. So, you can get us on DAB all over Manchester and Cheshire, uh, in Blackpool, uh, Chester, into North Wales. So, that's our, our DAB coverage. So, DAB is basically will take over the old FM frequency where you had, you know, 96.7 or 103 or 102 or whatever it was. So that will get switched off probably within the next five years. DAB will take over, much like TV did, you know, from the old, you know, terrestrial to now, blah, whatever it is. So we're we're on DAB. uh, But then, obviously, technology advances and there are various ways that you you, you know, you can access... Uh, the ways that you listen or watch TV or whatever it is. So Alexa smart speaker, we're on Alexa. We're on Google Play smart speaker. Uh, We've got an app, so you can download the app to your phone and then you can listen to us anywhere in the world if you've got the Happy Radio app. So if you just go to the App Store and you search Happy Radio UK, you'll find us there. We're called Happy Radio UK, not because we're all over the country, but because there's one in America and there's one in France, and we don't want you finding them because they're not very good. No. So, <laughs> so, no, so let me just stop. You've given us all that information. For the older members listening, not the young ones, because they know what they're doing. For the older members, what is the simplest way, would you say, for them to find Happy Radio UK? I use my... Alexa. I can't say it because it's behind me <laughs> and it'll go on. But what is the simplest way? Uh, so you can use the the machine speaker, behind yeah, that you speaker. talk to. If you go to our website, if you go to so just literally just Google Happy Radio UK or www.happyradiouk.com. If you go to our website on there, there's a page that gives you every single option. So we're on TV as well. You can you can listen to us through your TV, Freeview Channel 277. So, but everything is on there and you can click links, you can download, you can do everything you want. So go to our website, happyradiouk.com. How long have you been going now? Uh, just over a year. Are you pleased with it? Delighted. It's the, it's the best thing I've ever done. We're having the best time. We're way in advance of where we expected to be. Um, we're at about 40,000 listeners a week. We've got tons of downloads 
on the app, people listening. We're now, you know, we're getting into taxis. We're going into shops. People are listening to Happy Radio. You know, we've got... That interaction is really coming now. It's still young. It takes a long time. You know, these established radio stations have been going for... 30, 40, 50 years, you know. Um, We're a year old, and already we've got people go, yeah, listen to Happy Radio. You know, we we chat to people. It's amazing. The other week you did your first ever with Happy Radio Festival at the Cheshire Show, you must be elated at what happened there. Oh, yeah, absolutely delighted. The the Cheshire Show, if you don't know, has been going for 187 years it's been going for. It's an agricultural show. It's on a Tuesday and Wednesday, and it started out as a bit of something for the the farmers and for, you know, celebrating uh, life in the countryside. And then it's expanded over the years. It's now uh, spread across 187 acres. Uh, So it's massive. It's vast. And there are lots of exhibitors there, so you can buy anything from a tractor to a necklace to a hot tub, you know, and so you can go and shop. It's a two-day event. And uh, and Rob Davenport, uh, the, the guy who's the show director, said, you know, we've been going for a long, long time now. I want to develop the show. People don't want to leave at five o'clock on a Tuesday evening. You know, they sit in the car park and have a picnic in the back of the car and stuff. So uh, so Max and her, they advertised with us last year. Max and I went to meet Rob and we had a conversation. We said, well, why don't we put a little, little bit of music on in the evening? You know, not not like a massive festival, but something nice for that kind of audience where they can just sit and just have a really nice time and watch a few bands on a stage. Anyway, fantastic idea. So we gave it a go, not really knowing whether people would be interested in staying and watching the concert. We didn't know whether there was going to be three three or 3,000 people. Nobody had no idea. Anyway, it happened uh, last Tuesday. Uh, we had... Just let me stop you there. You had a oh. budget, yeah. so you got some great acts. Yeah, we did. We we, we did all right with with what we got. So we got you did uh, well we, and truly all we right. We got Brother Beyond, Five Star, uh, Katrina Odyssey. and the Waves, and Odyssey. Odyssey. And Odyssey. Katr- yeah. Katrina and the Waves. She. As a wicked sense of humour. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wicked sense of humour. Oh, you were chatting to her for ages, actually. Because I couldn't believe... She was on my... I just loved it. I was thrilled to go. And the the greatest compliment, the audience stayed. And in between that, all your broadcasters. Just give us a flavour of a couple of people on Happy Radio. Right, Okay. so uh, so, uh, depending on where you've listened to the radio from across the years, if if you're from the north, you'll know most of these names. So we've got... Obviously, Steve Penk, who we mentioned before, Spence McDonald, who who did uh, the breakfast show on Key One Hundred Three for many many years and worked for a, for a number of radio stations, Century FM. He's you know an established broadcaster and a great broadcaster and brilliant, you know, a great breakfast show host. Uh, we've also got uh, so we've also got Chelsea at the weekend. Chelsea Norris, who was on BBC Radio Manchester and Key One Hundred Three. Uh, on the breakfast show for many many years, we've got Paul Crone from Granada TV who does a Not show. Crony. Crony, who does a show on a Sunday, who loves it. And then you know we're a bit more diverse. You know we had a go. At Lauren from the Real Housewives of Cheshire uh, really wanted to get involved and do something. So Lauren does an hour a day. Lauren's happy hour. And again, it was about giving someone an opportunity where you know why not? You know Lauren's got a really big following, and you know. For the for the mums on the school run or the dads, uh, you know, at that time of the day, three till four in the afternoon, really great target. She plays brilliant music and has a great time doing it. So you know, why not? Um, and where, where do you fit in? Uh, I do the mid morning show uh, from ten till one. Um, so uh, and then I do a, a show on a Saturday night after you, obviously uh, called the Grown Up Disco. So we, t- what I tried to do is try to build the radio station where kind of matches it, mirror images people's lives. So at the weekend. You know, you come to... So, look, let's go back. Friday evening, 7 o'clock, you've been at work all week. 
Seven o'clock, you think, I'd fancy a glass of something nice. We've got Disco Die, who starts a show. So she plays disco music from seven till ten. Charlie C, who was a soul, R&B and Motown legend, does a show on a Friday night, Friday and Sunday. So he plays amazing music and is having this incredible time. Charlie C, as you know, has been going for... 30 years plus. I think he's older than me and he never tells <laughs> anyone. <laughs> <laughs> but he DJs, he does all the Soul Weekenders oh, and stuff. Oh, he's just... Uh, and and so John well Barnes' is best mate. Yes, he is. He is John Barnes' <laughs> best like mate. brothers. So I spoke to Charlie. Yeah. I said, listen, I'd love to do a Soul R&B and Motown show. Is it something you'd be interested in? He said, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. And he he loves doing it. He absolutely, he's having the best time ever. So a big advocate for the for, for the radio station. And then Saturday evening, you know, you start our Saturday night with a Guilty Pleasure show, playing all the songs that you've either dared to admit that you love or you've forgotten that you love. And, you know, you having the time Think of your life. Think at my going, age, going, going, forgotten. Going back to your forgotten roots. Forgotten what I loved. You know, but, but yeah. you, you know, you're digging out songs that were, that were all going, oh my goodness, I've not heard this for ages. Yeah. And you tell telling us stories, you're sharing your life with us. I know more about you since you've been on Happy Radio doing Guilty Pleasures than I ever did about you doing your talk show. And I loved your talk show. And we've all listened to you from across the years. But the, the, the talk show was about was about the listener. Yeah. Which was the right thing to do. Absolutely yeah, yeah. the right thing to do. Now you're sharing stories with us about your life from across the years. And it's fascinating. We've got great music and you sharing these amazing stories with us. It's a brilliant listen on a Saturday evening. And then I do the grown-up disco after that. So. Darren, how can they find Happy Radio? Uh, go to so website www.happyradiouk.com. Have a look at our website. And on there, it, there's a page that says how to listen. You've got everything there. We're everywhere. DAB, smart speaker, on the app, on the TV, Freeview Channel 277, and on our website as well. Darren Proctor, you're a fascinating man to listen to. It's been a delight to talk to you, Pete. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Why not subscribe? You know it's free. So join us and tell your friends. It's great going on walks and doing whatever you want to do and then putting Pete Price on. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 interviews. Join us. Subscribe. It's free.